Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services, for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, what's going on today? We have Mark Galvin here with us. He is a digital marketing guru and specializes in LinkedIn, and so that's what we're really going to talk about today, but I also want to point out that he owns ePresence, which is the digital marketing business. He has a podcast attached to that. He's worked in the hotel business for years as well prior to that. And he, I just learned, has been married to his wife for 28 years. That is insane. That's awesome. And it went by fast. Yes. For the record. <laughs> yes. Hopefully uh, <laughs> our marriage uh, is the same way <laughs> with Zach. Um, and I know you have um, kids. How many kids do you have, Mark? I have three kids. Three kids in very fancy schools. I'll let you get into all of that um, and how you got started in the, um, I guess let's go back to the hotel business. Cool. So, well, first of all, Heather, thank you for inviting me to join your podcast. I'm thrilled to be with you here today. Um, and, and I'm also thrilled that you pulled me out of the top end of a closet this, this afternoon. I was uh, doing some home remodeling. Uh, we're we're going to call it home remodeling. I think yeah. it's actually uh, demodeling as I'm drilling holes in the floor. <laughs> but, uh, but thank you for inviting me to join you and your audience. I, I started the hotel business right out of high school, as a matter of fact. And the reason I did, and it was, I was reminded of this yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Atlanta, it's now called the Biltmore Ballrooms. It okay. used to be the hotel in Atlanta when you drove south through the city, you could see it on the left and they had these two huge towers on either side of the building and both of them had vertical letters coming down that said Biltmore. And my mother and father are natives, uh, native Atlantans. Actually, my, my mother's technically not, but she grew up, she moved to Atlanta at such a young age from Pittsburgh that she might as well be considered that. Yeah. And they used to tie blimps to those things. That's what they were designed for back in the day when quote unquote Zeppelins were the cool thing for the rich to move around. Anyway, so I thought the, I'd get in the hotel business. Did that for 25 years, spent 13 years with Hyatt, bounced around in the city of Atlanta, worked my way through sales, left there, went to a uh, media firm where we brought hoteliers together with meeting planners, created a common marketplace through digital media and conferences. And then in that digital media space, I've always been a professional user of technology and I experienced some cool things there and decided after a few years there that I wanted to start my own firm. And so started ePresence uh, almost four and a half years ago now. We focus on digital social media. You know, well, you can drop the digital part really off. That's inherent in it. Social media. We originally started working exclusively on personal social media management. So we would help people get onto uh, line and, and really have a professional presence online. And we've uh, more recently rolled out company social media management. So we'll manage social media for all B2C, B2B organizations, top to bottom. So the exciting thing about what you guys are doing, Heather, is, the, is, is you're trying to help people 
find new ways to build their brand and, and build careers and, and, and find new opportunities. So I'm excited about, I'm excited to see what you got. Let's see. Let's talk about that. I think that that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. I just want to jump back real quick to, um, when, when did you meet Stephanie? I know it's 28 years ago, but was it in the hotel business where you just out? Yeah. So do you want the abridged version? Is there's a great story that goes with this. I love a great story. Our, our marriage story is great too. So I always oh, love is it? Yeah. Well, cool. So, um, so I worked, ironically, I was working with Hyatt Hotels and I was an installer trainer and I went to, for a year and a half, traveled the whole country, went to 30 different Hyatts installing their computer system. And I started off at a hotel in Atlanta. It's, it's the Ravinia. It's now a Holiday Inn, actually, at Crown Plaza. And at the time, it was a Hyatt. Came back after, after a year and a half uh, stint on this gig back to that hotel. So I knew everybody. I had worked there for a number of years before I went on this traveling gig. And so I felt very comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And they put me in as a front office assistant manager and I was going back to school. Well, in the meantime, my wife had come into work there as a concierge and she had just graduated from App State with a, with a degree in, in hotels. And I didn't know her from Adam, but she's the, the concierge desk is right across the way from the front desk. So anyway, right. I come back, I'd been there probably a week and uh, I, I come out from lunch and, and this very attractive blonde girl's walking across the lobby at me. And, and I, and I noticed like, Oh, wow. I haven't met her yet. And she <laughs> comes walking right up to the desk and she says, did you get my messages? I said, no, I didn't get your message. And she said, well, I would appreciate it if you'd make sure your agents give you my messages. And with that, she snapped around, turned and went, back across the lobby to the concierge desk. And I turned and I looked at the, my colleagues at the front desk and I said, now that girl's got B potential. <laughs> I'll beep that for you. I was not this. I, I didn't, I wanted nothing to do with her. Yeah. Well, six months later or so we had to collaborate on a job. We mm -hmm. had two jobs that very much had to deal with each other. And we, we discovered that number one, she thought I was cocky and needed to be put in my place. <laughs> probably did. And, and I was avoiding her like the plague, but we have so much in common. And, uh, so I was gosh, 24 ish. And the next thing you know, uh, we had to go to her boss and my boss and say, um, boss, man, we want you to know that we're dating. And he said, don't tell anybody, but I think it's great. So <laughs> got married, uh, five years, moved to California, did the hotel business in California. And now we have three kids. Um, you know, the oldest is 23. So we waited five years before we had our first. And uh, so he's 23. You have a daughter, 20 and another daughter that's 16. Awesome. So, and yeah. I know that the oldest two are in some pretty um, awesome schools. That must yeah. be amazing. You must be proud of them. Yeah. You know, I, I am. And I tell you what, when you, when you're raising kids, it really is the first time as a human being, you find out what it's truly like to be selfless. Yeah. Because as you pour into these human beings, you really don't expect anything back. And, and, and you re, you know, not that you're asking for something back, but you realize that there's fulfilling to help these young people turn into adults. And so my son's now at, uh, he's at Georgia Tech in graduate school. He's uh, in the international affairs program. He wants to be the, be the very next uh, Jason Bourne. Uh, you know, he wants to get in the CIA and, and, and I, I did tell him, I said, dude, I don't think you can take eight bullets to the back like Jason Borden in the first, in the first yeah. movie. But <laughs> so that's what he would like to do. And I wish you, and I think he'll, he'll, he may be able to 
get into uh, counterterrorism, which is what he'd like to, to work in. Wow. I have another daughter that's at Georgia College. She is uh, working through the uh, you know, athletic training side. She'd like to help people either as in physical therapy or be that athletic trainer that's out in the field helping yeah. athletes get back up and, and get back to it. And then my youngest daughter, 16, uh, she's locally in a high school in Atlanta called Marist. And, uh, and she is starting to talk about college now. She wants to go to Georgia and I'm, I'm hoping she gets into Georgia. That's another great school. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be great. And you were, were UGA fans. So, well, we, we are all UGA fans. In fact, my son, I, you're not going to broadcast this or anything. So we, we don't want anybody to know this. So this is a secret just between okay. us. All right, we'll cut it out. That's right. He's a huge, you don't even do that. (laughs) He's a huge Georgia fan. And so he goes to Georgia Tech and this first day in, he wore a red Falcons shirt, right? Mm -hmm. And someone walked up to him. One of the administrators in the college just said, dude, we don't do red here. I don't care if it's Falcons or anything. You don't do red at Georgia Tech ever. Period. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a tech fan, but it's hard not to be a Georgia fan when you've been a Georgia fan your whole life. And especially when they're doing so great. Yes. Yeah. That football program's doing fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I just, sorry, I love the family and, and um, getting into that background. But let's talk about ePresence. You started that four cool. and a half years ago. Right. Uh, and so, how did that become a business? out of the hotels and and then you started your own business? Yeah. You know, um, I'd always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Always been a dream of mine. And I sat down with a uh, upper level executive of a bank in Atlanta, actually a credit union in Atlanta. And not only is he an executive with that, uh, with a credit union, he is one of my dear best friends. So he and I met and I had a couple business propositions on the table. And as we were going through them, um, one of them I had, he said, you need to raise $20 million to do this. And I said, Oh, great. Well, I don't have 20 million bucks sitting on the, you know, in the bank account. So that wasn't going to work. He, he looked at me and he said, here's what you should do. There are lots of executives like him who need to be on LinkedIn, but he doesn't have the time or desire to do it himself. So he said, I need somebody to do this for me. He said, you can do it. And I thought he was nuts. I said, forget about it. That's crazy. So I, we left lunch. I bought him his burger and, and that was that. A year later, after meeting with a good dozen to uh, 20-ish meeting uh, uh, executives, I asked them the question, so what do you think about this? All of them, to the person, said, this is something that it's needed. Absolutely, it's a good idea. Once I, once I got that validation, there was, a, there was a, you know, really it was a, a change at the company I was at where they were, wanted to move me from one role to another and I did not want to do the, ne- the next role, that new role. And so I said, you know, this is a good opportunity. I'm going to start my own company. Uh, that owner of that company and I got along very, very well. And he and I agreed that this would, be, this would work out well. So I did that. And I left there on great terms and jumped into it. And I, I had to build it from scratch. Yeah. First, the first month, you know, he sat down at the desk. I said, okay, I got to create this. Yeah. There was no template. There was no, um, there was no franchise or anything like that. And, and I, if, looking back at it, if I had to do it again, I probably would have tried to do something where there was a model in place. Yeah, would have accelerated the 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 ability to succeed. So, 
yeah. I don't regret it now. And, um, and we're, we're starting to see a lot of great success and a lot of it has to do with the, the networking group, uh, where Zach and I met as a matter of fact, uh, and it, it building it's, it is building it one brick at a time and being patient, but having very good, um, planning skills and, and execution skills. As a matter of fact, there's this book I'm reading. Um, and it's called Eat That Frog. Oh, you can't see it because of the way my there it goes. <laughs> Eat the Frog is the name of the book by Brian Tracy. Uh, this, this book is life-changing. And it is, it is so because of the way it teaches you to, to execute tasks in a very smart way. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, all the, I'm always trying to learn something new and try to figure out a way I can do things a little better. And this is an example of that. But it's, tell you what, it's, it's nerve-wracking. There have been sleepless nights. But at the same time, we're doing great things. We do training. We do face-to-face training. I've been seminars and, and talk to people about how they can clean up their LinkedIn profile. We have our podcast, How's Your E-Presence. I love doing that podcast. It's a lot of fun. In fact, if I could do podcasts all day, I'd be, I'd. Same here. <laughs> if I could get paid to do podcasts, I'm in, you know. Right, uh, exactly. So what steps did you take to take your business from where it was, where it was nothing, you had to build it from scratch to where it is today in just four and a half years. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, the, Coming out of the hotel business, what I didn't tell you is what I did in the hotel business. I was a front office manager and executive housekeeper. So was in the operation side for many, many years. Ran housekeeping at a hotel in San Francisco with a union, ran a front desk there too. And the same thing in Atlanta and then eventually moved into sales and blending the business development piece with the, um, uh, with the operations piece was important to understand what do I do first? Where do I start? So uh, what I what I ended up doing first, right right out of the gate, is started to develop a an ability to to harness the technology that's at all of our fingers and use third party software to create ways to execute my vision. And I had a three I had three clients that signed up immediately because I talked to them and I lined them up. So that's the first thing is line up something if if you're going to try to do something like this, get some revenue identify revenue stream before you, you jump into the pool and hold your breath. So uh, I did that and then figured out how to execute managing social media. So for example, Heather, for you, if you and I were working together, what I would do is I gotta, I gotta figure out how to save your passwords. First thing. Oh my gosh. If I have 120, if I have 300, if I have 2000 clients, I need to be able to hold their passwords in a secure fashion. So I had to go find that third-party software. And what I found, what I originally thought is I would develop my own software. That was the goal. Okay, I'll do this third-party software and I'll eventually get out there and, and create my own to do all this work. But after a year plus of running ePresence, I realized that using third-party software is better because they're doing the R&D. So look at software development, as a matter of fact, uh, or management. We use something called Dashlane. Dashlane is a password protection system that is, that's really marketed generally for individual users. Uh, most of us will know it that way. Well, they have a back-end system for businesses. So we use Dashlane for everything. And when I have a staff member that is going to manage, so if, if, if we were working with you, and, and we would assign a staff member to help you manage your social media. Yeah. I can give them access to your passwords, but they never see it. That's just awesome. Okay. Yeah. So 
I don't have to, so I didn't have to write that software. So there's so many things that I can do today to execute the service that we need to provide without having to worry about managing the R&D piece of, of, you know, password protection, which is just a massive, huge, huge headache. Yeah. So we just went step by step and all the way through, uh, we use something called JotForm for questionnaires because there's lots of questions we have to ask our clients. So we collect all that through a form we, we developed on JotForm and then website development was the next thing. So we, first thing I did is I, I had a website with Wix, W-I-X, and had some plugins to make everything work. We did that. That was good. And, and I liked it for about two years, but I've since switched to another uh, website developer and I'm about to go to another website developer <laughs> because here's something else. And this is what happens in all businesses is you evolve. We determined that there are some, some of our services you could buy without having to talk to someone. So we are developing a system now where you can go onto the website, and say, gosh, I'd like to hire somebody to help me clean up my LinkedIn profile. You'll be able to go to link, go onto our website and buy that service and not talk to a soul. Say, yes, I'd like to have someone who can do X, Y, Z on my LinkedIn profile because I don't know how to do that. So the evolution has been, has been interesting. The next piece is, is how do you identify staff? And I started off uh, talking to people that I knew. So it's how you hire people mostly is, and whenever you hire someone, you're looking to reduce risk because it's a risk. Right. I'm going to hire someone. I'm going to spend money on them. How do I reduce my risk in finding someone that can do the job and do it well and not lose money by investing all the time in them and then leaving or not succeeding? Right. And so uh, a lot of that was referral based in the beginning. And then uh, I found someone who was essentially a recruiter. And she was finding people and would call me every two months or so. Hey, I found somebody new. Would you be interested in talking to this person? And I, and I took those opportunities and talked to those folks. And some of them I brought on immediately and some of them I did not. And uh, the last thing that I did, speaking of University of Georgia, I have a contact at UGA that I reached out to and said, hey, I need an editor. Do you have any students that have just graduated or can you post this on a message board? And we have an, an editor who's doing great work for us. She just graduated from Georgia. And it was through that network, uh, networking yeah. with uh, this particular professor that helped us find them. But, you know, it, it's not been linear. And there's been a lot of things that have changed. And the number one thing that's changed is, is how we market. And we spend between 60 and 70% of our time in a marketing uh, stance is probably a good way to refer to that. So 70% of my time has something to do with marketing, either meeting new people, face-to-face -face, uh, conversations, or trying to find a way that I can market to new people to find those folks. And so 30% of my time is either execution of service or back of house type of work. And it's the only way you can grow your business. You have to do the business development on your own. Yep. You have to go out and network and, and meet people and get out of your comfort zone. That's you know, one of the number one things that we, we talk about is with Zach and I and, and his business is you have to get out of your comfort zone. No right. thing was built in the comfort zone. So that's right. That's it right. Definitely is. Yeah. There's this, this misnomer that gosh, I can go out and just drop a bunch of money in, in marketing and people, you know, if you build it, they will come. And that's not true. That is not true at all. It takes, you've got to build uh, relationships. You, then you have to take care of your clients that you have. You've got to constantly improve your product. Uh, 
and and then you've got to continue to feed the funnel by going out and meeting more people. So right. yeah, absolutely you're right. So there are so many different social media platforms out there. Yes. There's a ton. Um, I don't know if you know Gary Vee, who he is, but he has. Yeah. He, yeah. Gary. So yeah. His, his prophecy is his, his um, vision or claim is that LinkedIn and TikTok are going to be the next great thing. And that's how everybody's going to connect. LinkedIn will be the new Facebook. TikTok will be the new Instagram. So is that, how did you choose to do LinkedIn versus every other social media platform? Did you know that? Did you see that coming? How was that for you? Yeah. So LinkedIn is, was where we really started and we work on all social media platforms. We do not, we do not have a one client using TikTok yet. So that is, that is still in its, it's not even in its infancy. It's, it's a younger Generally. Yeah, I would tell you, TikTok is one of those. If once I get on it, I can't stop. So yeah. I don't, I don't open up the app. <laughs> Zach but, has TikTok. Go find it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's so entertaining. But LinkedIn was the spot for me because of my target market, and and I tell everyone this: you've got to figure out if you're thinking social media, and you want to do it for business. You've got to figure out who's your target audience and where are they. And if you're in business, more than likely your target audience is going to be. Uh, is going to be on LinkedIn, especially B2B world. Now, even in the B2C world, there's some of that. However, if, if you've got a consumer product, you're probably not interested in finding all, your audience on LinkedIn. What you should be doing is looking at all those other Facebook properties, right? So go to Instagram, go to Facebook. What I like about Facebook is you can advertise on Facebook and reach Instagram and reach other partner apps for Facebook. So right. one ad I can, I can push out for a client and it can end up on their, their weather app, which has nothing to do with Facebook. Right. That's why when you log into an app these days, it'll say, Hey, would you like to log in using your Facebook account? So it just gives them another way to reach you. And most of the ads that we push on Facebook as an example, are only about 30% of the ads are actually appearing on Facebook. 70% are appearing on Instagram and other apps. It's really amazing. But you can, you know, you got to figure out where that audience is. Our, my, our primary audience was on LinkedIn. And there are some LinkedIn trainers out there uh, that are doing a good job of trying to help people with LinkedIn. And what we decided to do is we do LinkedIn training. We will go in and help people meet with groups and show them what they need to know about a LinkedIn profile. But that's not our primary mission. Our primary mission is to do it on their behalf is to help them do that. That's our revenue model. But we found that going into LinkedIn is where we can identify clients, where we can help our clients. And we need to be the experts on LinkedIn because everybody needs to have a presence on LinkedIn. It is the first impression today when it comes to getting a job or, or, inter, or doing business. You know, I'm going to guess, Heather, did you pull me up on LinkedIn before this show? Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and the reason is, is because most people are updating LinkedIn now. So you get the most current information. LinkedIn has been proven. LinkedIn is more up to date than people's resumes. Yes. People are updating. It's because it's easier. You just go and update a line, you know, to update your resume. It's really just a line, but we don't think of it that way. We think it's a whole nother can of worms when we go into a because then you got to put in bullet points of what you did, your job description. Whereas right. if you put in, uh, you know, front desk manager at a hotel, they know exactly what that means in, in the Boom. description that goes along with it. Right, exactly. So 
you know, and what we what we have found. Speaking of, by the way, speaking of those lines, if you go in and use some keywords on your job descriptions, so each of those title lines, it's a good place to put key search terms. So if you ever if you're back in on your 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 title lines, and maybe it's front office manager, you can put behind there things like uh, technology leader and. Um, maybe there's a software that you use, you know, Salesforce administrator. You could put all that on that one line and that's, it directly impacts search and LinkedIn, which is the whole thing. That's what we yeah. talk about all the time. You want to be found on LinkedIn right. for people to find you. You got to use those keywords and those are some great ways to drop in those keywords. So a lot of our clients may have never had a job or if they did, it was the first job and the only job they've ever had. So they don't have a LinkedIn profile. They don't have experience. So, where would you start with them? How would you build that LinkedIn? How would you get started with that type of client? So if you don't have a lot to put on your LinkedIn profile, number the first thing I would say is get something to put on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, so before we even look at LinkedIn, I would sit down and ask them, what are you doing? What are you doing with your free time? If you're working, great, check. We're going to put that on there. And, uh, but what are you doing outside of work? Are you involved in other nonprofits? Are you doing anything here? Because that is all good work, ex work experience. Right. So I would encourage them to do something else and let's get that on your LinkedIn profile. The other thing I would encourage them to do is go to the about section, which is a tile that appears below the, the top of your profile. And I would build the story in there explaining how they do what they do, why they do what they do, what's their passion, what are, they, what are they good at, what are they talented at, and share something in a way that shows that they are more qualified to, to do a job than someone else. And be confident about that and share it there. And what will happen is they may not have people hitting their profile looking to hire them, but when they walk in to interview for a job or before they interview, they're those folks are going to pull them up. If they can't find them on LinkedIn, that's a problem. I do also encourage to look at your, your resume and compare it to your LinkedIn profile. Make sure they match. There's a lot of people that have gone in for an interview. They hand over a resume and it doesn't match what's on their LinkedIn profile and it's hurt them. So make sure they match. In fact, you can, if you go to your LinkedIn profile and hit the more button in the top right corner on the, your profile, you can say save as a PDF and it prints out like it's a resume. Oh, wow. So you, you could build your resume through your LinkedIn profile. That's all and, I and, That's awesome. Yeah, and just download it and make sure you like what you say, what everything it says there and you can download it and there's your, and there's your resume. I think that's the future resume. Because yeah. of number one, I, if you and I applied for the same job, your resume is going to look totally different than mine. Your resume may not answer a question that mine does. Your resume may answer a question that mine doesn't. And, 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 I, and me as the hiring manager, I'd like to see you, you know, you and me, that'd be kind of weird. I'm the hiring manager and I'm applying, but Let's not talk about that. So the hiring manager would like to be able to compare apples with apples. And so if our resumes were identical, it'd be easy to say, here's the difference between these two people. So eventually, and I think resumes are going to go away. I, I really do. People, yeah. people don't, they're, it's too easy to look at a resume and not trust the data that's there. 
because I can hand you a resume and I could have just made it up. And right. you and I, you, you don't know if, it, if, this, if this resume has been qualified in any way. Yeah. So, but if you go to LinkedIn profile, that's public. And someone could call me out if it's a public system. And there's, there's a lot of questions that are coming on now when this is a, there's a lot of LinkedIn folks that are talking about this. We think that if you say you graduated from a college, that there ought to be a check and balance where that college says, yes, you graduated from here, right? There ought to be a way to, and I think this will, I, I, I really do think this will happen where if I say I worked for a company that, there's a a check system that it goes through the human resources division of that company and they can put a check mark, say, yeah, that person was here. Intelligent. I don't know if you heard about the Australian woman that just was sentenced to like three or four years in prison because she lied on her resume stating that she did all these things and she got hired by the government in Uh Australia. So she, you know, had access to all these confidential things and it was because she put on her resume that she worked at this place and then she put her phone number for her previous employer and she answered wow. the phone. And yeah, so definitely I think LinkedIn will be the, the way to check and, and create some checks and balances. for. Yeah. I, I, I think that because once it becomes it's the mass of it and the importance of it starts to grow, there could be a companies opting in to say, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to check off and say, yeah, Mark Galvin worked at Hyatt for those 13 years. Check. That's true. That I, I think it would be good. That's I think we're a long way off from that. Right. But this sort of thing's been going on for ages. The there was a head coach at Georgia Tech that said that he had a degree and he didn't have the degree. So before we ever started, they had to they terminated him. And it's and some of the things happen where people are the stuff ends up on our, on their resume and they don't even realize it's there. They may be they. I, I think that some people put a little lie on their resume and it sits there for 10 years and 12 years later they hand out that resume and, and didn't realize that little lie was still there. Yeah. LinkedIn is a, is a, it is an organic, it is a, an, a live living thing and people are typically, typically going to keep that updated. There's something else I would encourage anyone who does not have a lot of experience um, I would encourage them to get a recommendation posted on their profile. So there are, there are endorsements and there are recommendations on LinkedIn. Or endorsements is when I can go in and I can say, Heather is a great podcaster. Check. A recommendation is where I go in and I say, Heather runs a great podcast. She loves Christmas and she's a consummate professional, right? Blah, blah, blah. But I have to, you know, I am going to say why I think that you're qualified at what you do. That is a great way to, it. really what it is, it is a, uh, it's a reference check. It is a way to say, I know that if, if someone lands on your profile and I've written that recommendation, they might be able to go to my profile, send me an email and say, hey, we got a question about Heather. She's applying for a job here. You said X explain that. Are you willing to support? And I will, I I have this belief that in general, uh, for people who are not so busy, that if I get a phone call, that's a reference check on someone that I think does good work, I'm going to make sure I answer that phone and say, yeah, here's why I think they do good work. Right. And especially if you took the time to already make that recommendation on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ask, you know, I would go and if you can find people that are connected and, and are well networked, 
ask them to say something on your profile. So that will help. There's also the other things that you can do is you can follow industry leaders at the bottom of the screen. You can follow industry leaders, companies, or become members of groups. And I encourage that. If you become a member of a, member of a group, every person in that group can find you easier. So you become more discoverable if you're a member of a group. So I encourage join groups. Uh, and that's at the typically at the bottom of the page. Follow industry leaders. I look at MySpace like Simon Sinek is someone that uh, if you if you don't know Simon, go out, pull him up on YouTube and see some of his talks. The guy's just really brilliant. He's a great person to follow. It shows that I'm a little more, I have more depth. And then companies. There are some industry leaders out there that can, I should follow Facebook and LinkedIn as an example. Duh. But what other groups are out there that can show that I am trying to make myself better and I'm aware of these organizations, so I'm following them. Uh, those are some things that I would recommend immediately. The, um, the last thing I would encourage, have a great photo, have a great profile picture. And there's this website that'll help you with that. It's called photofeeler.com. It's P-H-O-T-O-F-E-E-L-E-R.com. Photofeeler.com will allow you to drop in a picture and crowdsource it. And you get a bunch of people to tell you whether you look competent, friendly, and influential. Just first impressions right? Yeah. So drop in a picture. We all are biased about our own pictures, right? We, we have a tendency to, we're overly critical of ourselves. Yeah. Very human thing to do. So you can go in here, you can drop in a picture and find out which one will help you give the very, very best first impression. So I recommend that. And then include a banner, which is a background photo on LinkedIn, which show, appears behind your, your, uh, behind your profile picture. Kind of like Facebook and the cover photos. Yes. It's the same thing as a cover photo it, in LinkedIn. They call them background photos. Go out. You can go out and find something that is appealing to you. Make sure it's, it's uh, remember it's a professional site. So you don't want to have something that would give somebody a bad impression of you. Um, if you are, if you're in a certain industry, you could get a graphic that represents there, but you want to have that, that photo needs to be uh, 1,538 pixels wide. That is so important. I think it's, I think the height is 360 or 258 or something, but 1536 wide is so important. Here's why. Because this, it stretches from side to side, it gets fuzzy and it can make you look worse, not better. So pick a really good high quality picture and you can drop it in there. Some people create their own and that's fine too. Just make sure it has, it's the right quality uh, picture so that it doesn't become fuzzy once it's uh, when it looks good on a phone and it looks good on a desktop. Yeah. So what are some good like don'ts for pictures like oh, right off the bat? Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of don'ts in general on pictures. Number one is no sunglasses. I need to be able to see the whites of your eyes. In our training sessions, I show this. I walk up to someone in a session. I shake their hand and I say, hi, I'm Mark Alvin. And so this is front of the whole class. And, uh, and if it was you, Heather, I'd walk up, I shake your hand and you would say, hi, I'm Heather. And I say, hi, I'm Mark. And I turn to everybody and say, did you see what just happened? Did, where, where was I looking? Was I looking across the room? Was I looking at my feet? No, I looked at Heather in her eyes. So when someone lands on my LinkedIn profile, they're going to look at my eyes because that's what we naturally do as human beings, at least in the U.S. That's our cultural thing. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure that you're, that I can see your eyes well. And I, and the the measurement that I use that I suggest is 
I need to be able to see the whites of your eyes because that means that your eyes are, that the, the photo is clipped, it's cropped well enough, close enough where I can see uh, your eyes well. So that's the first thing. Eyes, no sunglasses, need to see your eyes well. I recommend it's just you, right? Just one person, not you and a hundred thousand of your very best friends. There's an example, we have one that somebody did a, a picture in a football game. Don't do that. Have it just you. Don't crop out your significant other, your, ha- your, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, girlfriend, dog, whatever. It needs to be just you. It does need to be professional. But I do think the last thing is, or actually maybe this isn't last, um, is that the picture needs to appeal to your, um, your audience, your industry. So if you're in a real serious industry, so say – say you're a policeman, you probably don't want to have a big grin, right? It's, you know, it's a little different, you know, it's a different culture. Uh, People will perceive you differently. But if I'm a a front office manager in a hotel, I need to be smiling. I need to be approachable. Or if I'm in sales, I need to be approachable. So look at the industry you're going into. Understand that you, if you are, if you want to go into sales, that you should be friendly. People are going to hire friendly, outgoing people in sales. So you need to be smiling. And then the last is have an interesting background, have something behind your head that not just a flat screen. If you can, if you can have some, and and I encourage it to be out of focus. So say you're in a lobby of a hotel, using hotels as an example, just have a picture of, uh, have a picture of yourself there with the background all out of focus, but it can be the depth of a hotel, you know, for that front office manager. That's interesting. Instead of just a flat uh, blank background, keeping in mind, this is social media. So let me think, talked about the eyes, talked about cropping, I think that that's, that's it. Oh, the last one is jackets make a difference for your influence and competence scores. So if you have a jacket on, and this is true for men and women, and a darker jacket is better, your competence and influence uh, numbers go up. So people perceive you as being more influential and more competent if you have a jacket on. So I do encourage photographs with jackets if you've got one and if you do want to have a dark one. So we mentioned, or you mentioned Simon Sinek and his book. How did that shape or how did that influence you in what you're doing today? Yeah. So what I like about Simon is, is his person, he really likes to, he understands that you've got to be, you've got to be a trendsetter. You have to be creative um, and you've got to look things in things in a different light, right? Don't just assume the way business is done today is the way business is always going to be done. A great example is uh, who created, who holds the patent for the first digital camera? Do you know? Take a stab. Just guess. Kodak. Less yes. Kodak. Yes. Ooh. Bravo. So... <laughs> Is Kodak in business? I don't, they may be, I don't even know. And if they are, I don't know what they do. Well, but Kodak had, you know, they, they did film, they did cameras that, you know, they did, I think they did those disposable cameras as a matter of fact. Yeah. They came up with this and they decided to hide it because it would threaten their core business. All right. Well, it's so, it was so such an awesome idea. It put them out of business anyway. 
So the thing is, is we have to be willing to do something new. I got another one. This one I just, I just read. It was in, I think it was in yesterday's Wall Street Journal. There are people who are figuring out how to make bourbon, good bourbon, in between six weeks and six months. So instead of aging bourbon for 12 years, you can make it in six months now because people figured out the chemicals, right? Okay, so you've got all these bourbon people, and they've got a lot of money, and, and I, I tip my hat to them. They got a lot of money in their bourbon sitting in their, in their cellars waiting for it to be time to bottle, right? They are poo-pooing this. They better watch out. Because if you can start producing bourbon that's as good as the 12-year bourbon in six months, I'm going to buy it because it's going to be a lot cheaper, and I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to say, wow, this is just as good as that other stuff. And the other stuff, they're going to go out of business. So, you know, we have to constantly, constantly adapt to the way things are changing and be ready to look at things in a different way. Simon Sinek is one of those, was one of those industry leaders. He talks about how Apple became Apple and, and how they looked at things differently. Uh, speaking of Apple, who held the patent for a digital uh, music player? Sony. Sony created it. Sony knew what to do with it. They, they, they had it. I think they, I think they still have the patent for it. Yeah. And who, but who grabbed it and made it into something? Apple did. Steve Jobs was famous for that. He was the one that he came across the mouse and he said, oh, this is cool. And nobody developed it. And he turned it into a, you know, he added it to a computer. Yeah. So, it, it, and I will tell you, Heather, that's daunting. It is so scary to think that everything I work hard on today may be obsolete tomorrow. And that it's an emotional a very emotional response to say, oh, all the work I've done is now for naught. Yeah, it is. And you're going to have to adapt. So you got to recreate yourself, which is it, it applies to people and it applies to companies. You've got to be ready to pivot and change. It's why we threw company social media management in our, in our mix. It's also why this is my weakness. I love the idea of working with third-party software because they're the ones that got to worry about that. And I can see something new and I say, oh, I'm going to go to this company because they've got that new product. I'm about to switch my accounting firm, my accounting software, because I'm dealing with one accounting software. Someone new has come along and it's an unbelievable, great system and it's 10 times cheaper. That's going to, be, we as companies and individuals, we got to be willing to adapt so that we can stay ahead of our competition. Yeah. And I love what you just said about having to reinvent yourself. And that is exactly what we're doing with the women that come into our, um, our programs and our, our housing is we're reinventing them. We're helping them reinvent themselves. Um, and I think that you are very, very confident in what you do and how you do it. Was that always the case or did you have to reinvent yourself at some point and build yourself up? Uh, that's a, such a interesting question. Um, so I come from, from a family of five. I have two brothers and two sisters and I was the fourth in that, in that group of five. And I was the quiet one in the family. So my older brothers and sisters would be the wild ones at dinner. They're the ones throwing food at each other. Yes. Literally throwing food at each other <laughs> and, and everything that happens in a big family that was happening. And I was, I, I sat on the sidelines and I, I observed and I, when I was in my twenties, I really thought I was an introvert 
and I played out that introversion in a lot of the, in a lot of the things that I did. And it turns out that I'm really not an introvert, that I was adapting to environments. And so what I have found is that when I'm in an environment that forces me to respond in a way that's not natural for me, I got to get out of that environment. And you, and I figured out I have to plug into environments that allow me to be the most successful me there is. And I do think environments have an impact on you there. Now, do you have to sometimes take a position that has a light at the end of the tunnel? So, okay, I'm going to do this because it's going to get me to where I want to go. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do that and do it well, but what, look for the light at the end of the tunnel. But work to a position, find a position or a career, it's probably a better word, career that will fully harness your capabilities. So you got to figure that out. And if you don't know that answer, go get that answered. Um, I, one of my favorite books is Strength Finders. Um, Strength, Strength Finders comes and it, they'll, what they'll do is they'll give you your top five skills after you take an online test. So you can go buy this book uh, from Amazon and, and there's a, uh, in the back of the book, there's a code where you go online, you take the test and they'll tell you what your real talents are. And their mission is, and I think this is brilliant. Their mission is, here's what you're good at. Go get better at what you're good at. So NBA players, they don't play football. They don't play baseball. Well, one of them played baseball. <laughs> wasn't great at it, but, but yeah, they, and everything else. <laughs> right. But they play basketball and they're fantastic at it but what do they do they get better and better and better at what they do so i encourage everyone i talk to especially younger people or or someone looking at a career change figure out what you're good at and then go do go get better at it because that's your skill set and you'll shine if you're doing that back in the day when i started your bosses would grab me and say you're really not good at this you got to get better at that it was dumb why would i I hate accounting. Don't tell me it'll get better at accounting, right? I'm not good at that. Right. And I will spend an immense amount of energy to raise my skill level on accounting 10%. But if you said, Mark, you're a communicator. I want you to focus on getting in front of people and training them. I could take that skill level and, and double it in the same amount of time because that's my skill set. So, and that is, that speaks directly to why you do what you do. So. If your skill set is, and mine is, my number one is communication. I'm a communicator. If that's where I want to, if that's where I'm naturally inclined to be talented, I'm also enjoying it. So it comes to, I think, I don't think those are inseparable. I think they come together. So yeah, go get a job you like, but go get a job that you're good at. And because you're good at it, you're going to like it. Because what happens is people will say, hey, you're good at this. They'll tell you that in their own ways. When I was on the front desk, I interact, I used to interact with a lot of people. I used to have people so mad would walk up to the front desk and they were screaming mad at something. And I understood how to diffuse that. And they would say things to me like, wow, you're really good at this. And that would buoy me. That's why you should figure out what you're good at. If you're an accountant and you love numbers, go get better at that. And you're going to be so good at it that people are going to say, you're awesome at this. And they're going to want to pay you to be awesome at that. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, you do have to reinvent yourself. And I did, I, I went through, I, I thought I was an introvert. I would sit in large groups and you got a flashback. I'm sitting at a table 
I got two brothers and two sisters, mom and dad, we're all around the table. They're being loud and obnoxious. They're screaming, they're throwing food at each other the whole bit. Now fast forward and I'm in business and I'm sitting at a table and it's a, uh, a meeting, a staff meeting and people are sharing content, sharing good information at the table and I'm not talking because I was trained back in the day to sit around and let my brothers and sisters talk. I had to get over that. Do you have to adapt? Absolutely. Figure out what you're good at, tap into that, and you're going to make, you're going to be able to overcome obstacles like that, that we're just, you know, we are trained throughout our lives. Our experiences train us to do, to react in a certain way. We have to choose how we, how we are going to react in the future. You, it, it is a choice. It truly is a choice. It's an emotional choice, right? But it is a choice. Right. All right. Wrapping up here before we get into our last three questions that we ask every guest. Rock this on. is the Surviving a Thriving podcast. What is a good resource that would that you use or that you've used in the past that would be good for our client base? A resource. Huh. Boy, I'm stumped. Okay. So would a, um, could it be a printed publication? Yeah. Yes. So, um, I would, if, if you're trying to get into business and today it's so important to be relevant. So you need to find something or a resource that can tell you here's technology, here's how technology impacts you today, but also how can you live in that technology a little better? And I would encourage folks to get Inc. Magazine, I-N-C Magazine, because they hit all these areas and they'll tell you how you can achieve more success and they'll point you, if, if you need more information, they'll point you to where you can get that information. So that is a really good place to start. The next step, if you want, how do I graduate? I'm, okay, I'm, now I'm tired of Inc. Magazine, let's say. I want something more. Then go to the Harvard Business Review it's a little more on the academic side, it's a, it, but they'll go into something that's a lot more, uh, more in depth. Here's the difference. Inc. Magazine will say, here are the top five ways that you can get a job promotion. Harvard Business Review is going to say, if you'd like a job promotion, read this, and it's five pages long. There'll be more content in the, in the Harvard Business Review. Uh, I, got, I also have a second one, if I may. Yeah. Find a mentor. Find someone that is either in the position you want or is the leader of an organization that has the positions that you want and ask them if you could sit with them once a quarter and just bounce questions off of. And then when you sit down with them, have some questions. Have a spot where you write the questions that you're dying to have answered and an unvarnished response and sit down with your, your mentor every quarter and throw stuff at them. I, I have made sure all my kids have a mentor and I have, uh, and my son's mentor is a CEO of a, of a nonprofit as a matter of fact. And he meets with him once a quarter and here's how he's, here's how it's been helpful. He came out of under in his undergrad, he got a degree in political science and he was trying to figure out where to go to, uh, which, graduate level program to get into? Should he go to Georgia Tech's International Affairs or go to Georgia State or go to a school in, in Washington, D.C.? I think there was one in Florida. You get the gist. All this out there. Yeah. He called his mentor and he said, hey, 
will you meet with me and let me bounce this all bounce this off of you and they went through it all and he got clarity from someone other than his dad right which is so much more valuable so get a mentor and if you can't if you can't think of someone this is big if you cannot think of someone for yourself ask the people around you to help you find one and the people who care will help you identify a mentor that will uh, that'll be good for you I'm so glad you had a second one um, because every person that we've had on the podcast has said, find somebody that can help you get to where you want to be. Cause it's so important to have somebody that is above you. And if you listen to our previous episodes, Jesse T is on our show. He talks about, you have to have somebody above you that you can reach towards somebody right where you're at to bounce everything off of or right get feedback and then people below you that you can help bring up. And I think it's key. I think it's, key. it is, it is so important. And, uh, it, it, there, you cannot emphasize how important that is. Uh, we are, frankly, we're all cave people still, you know, we still live in caves. And when you lived in caves, I, I had people all around me that can help me succeed. Um, don't, don't, don't make the fire that way. Make it this way. That's how we're built. And yes, you can read a lot of books. I encourage that. But to sit down and, and look at somebody in the eye and say, I'm, having, I'm struggling with this. How do I overcome this obstacle? And to have that direct personal customized, and that's the key. It's customized for you because they know you. That makes a big difference. Huge difference. Yeah, definitely. All right. Our last three questions that we ask everybody. If the new you could talk to the old you, what would, what would you say? <laughs> so, uh, if, if number one is, I would say, uh, make sure you have a better sense of who you are earlier and then be willing to take more risks, take more risks. I wish I had taken more risks sooner, but I was a little more risk averse. So that's the one thing be, you know, it's okay to take a risk before you get, uh, so far along on the road. But don't, if you don't, so say someone is, is in their mid forties, fifties, sixties, don't avoid a risk now just because you think you're too old. It's never too late. So yeah, I wish I'd done it sooner, but you know, I did this in my late forties. It, it was still good timing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Is there, so we talked about business and steps that they can take uh, and books that they can listen to or, or um, publications that they can go to for business. But what is something that has helped you in a tough situation or given you strength, whether it's a podcast, a book, just a quote, anything? It's people. Uh, you know, it really is people. So uh, I have a, I've got a, one of the, I think this is real important. I'm not sure if this is appropriate or not, but um, my faith is important to me. Mm -hmm. And, and my faith has driven me past things that were through things that have, that I don't think I could have accomplished otherwise. So I have, uh, you know, I have a religious figure in my life and they are, and this, they are literally in my life. This is someone I can pick up the phone and I can have lunch with. Um, I see him three times a month, probably once for a one-on-one -on -one, and then two times because we're in the same organizations and, and he'll tell me things that I need to hear that I don't even ask for. Uh, so that is that's one of those things that, that, that makes a big difference. People are truly, um, for me, they, they really do provide me the energy that I need sometimes to get past something. 
I also, for something for me, this is important is I do have a, I do have a business coach and, but your business coach needs to adapt to where you are in your life. So where I am, I need someone to help me with a very specific need. So I have a coach that addresses that need. Um, and so you can find that person, you either go find a professional coach or you can go find someone that has that specific skill set. And this kind of speaks back to the last thing, but it's still those people will help you see where you're messing up and they need to be honest and, and you got to be ready to, to take the, the, the tough things. Uh, but having people around you that'll say, Hey, you need to change this. This doesn't do well. Or if you're doing something that you don't, um, that you don't have an answer to, you need to have someone you can reach out to and ask that question. Yeah. Awesome. And finally, how can our listeners find you? I know you got your podcast and social media. So just. So yeah, this is a, so here's a tip for everyone is you should all have one handle across all social media. So my one handle everywhere is E presence MG E presence M for Mark G for Galvin. It's the same one, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it. So you can find me there. Our website is epresence.me. So epresence.me is our website. And we do have a podcast. It's called How's Your E-Presence. So if you'd like to hear about ways that you can constantly improve your professional social media presence, you're welcome to catch that podcast. And we're dropping content every week now which is a little new. So we have one where we interview folks like interview folks like what we're doing here, but every other week we have news updates. What's going on in social media that you need to know about that'll impact you right here and now that'll, that can either could hurt you being a, a, a strong professional on social media or can help you. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today and giving us some insight into social media because it is a huge part of our life now. So it is key that everybody has a, a great social media presence. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure, Heather. Thank you for letting me join you. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.